I'm Neil. I'm Louise. And I'm Ronnie. I'm Daisy's dad. I'm Daisy's mum. And I'm Daisy's grandpa. In 2018, Daisy was diagnosed with regressive autism. She gradually lost all of her speech and began to show typical autistic traits. She'd spin in circles, avoid eye contact and make loud monotone noises. This was a huge shock. As up until this point, Daisy had been speaking in seven or eight word sentences. And had memorised pretty much 20 to 30 books. Since then, we've all been on a journey of discovery. In this podcast, we'll talk about that journey. And explore the impact autism has had on all of us. The lows. And the highs. This is the story of Daisy. And me. Episode 2, Communication. I want to bring something straight away uh, to the new phenomenon that has arrived in, in the Daisy world is the E.T. finger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about the E.T. finger where uh, she points to something, but her finger doesn't go straight out and the arm doesn't straighten out, but she lean- she wants something and it's this. When did that, when did that start, the E.T. finger? I think it started probably six months ago. It was... Not long after the lockdown started. Yeah, so maybe four months yeah. ago. Yeah. But yeah, so she she obviously she's non-verbal, and she developed a way of getting her way, um, which actually no, she hasn't developed a way. She's always had her way, <laughs> but actually she's just started pointing at things with this sort of slightly curved inwards, yeah. with a sort of you know that bulbous Bend end, at the yeah. end. <laughs> like, like ET had, <laughs> yeah, and. Um, but it's even things like so we'll we'll go downstairs in the morning, and she'll point to the light switch, and I'll go, "You want me to put the lights on?" And then she'll do Macaton for yes, switch the light on, and then she'll drag me around to the kitchen, point to the kitchen cupboard, <laughs> "You want some food?" <laughs> yes, and she she sort of developed that yeah as a quick way of communicating, I think. Which actually, when you think about it, is where is what younger children do they learn to point from quite a young age and that's their way of mm. communicating that they want something yeah. so daisy and daisy never did that she didn't point did she no. i don't think she's ever done that so this is actually a really positive thing i think we've found yeah. it quite positive yeah. they taught us at the after she was diagnosed or after she'd started to get symptoms we um we went to this sense and fun group um which was for children with developmental issues and they were trying to get them to point by popping Bubbles, do you remember? That yeah. was part of yeah. the process. So so actually, it's a really positive thing that she's done that. Yeah, it is. I wanted to ask both of you, actually, um, because obviously if we're talking about communication. Um, it's, it's very ironic that all three of us mm. sitting in this room rely so heavily on communication mm. for our lives and our livelihoods. Yeah. yeah. And I wanted to go back to that point where you... When Daisy started to lose her speech, what did you think was going to happen? So when she first started losing her speech, I guess that was before we'd actually had the diagnosis, wasn't it? So you you then suspect the autism because of what you're reading. But my when I first started to look into support, because I think we'd spoken to the health visitor and then I'd seen a poster up in the GP practice about speech and language therapy drop-in. So I took her to a drop-in group and that was when the referral went through to speech and language therapy. And in my mind, I just had this idea that 
we were going to see a speech and language therapist. She was going to have lots of intensive speech and language therapy mm. and then she would start talking again. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it's that sort of problem solving, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Um, but that was not what happened at all. Um, mm. And I guess that that's because it isn't, it isn't something that you can just give therapy for in that way. It's not, um, mm. it's a social communication disability, isn't it? Mm. So, so I think there was lots of stuff that went through my mind, but when I started to realize that non nonverbal autism was a thing, which I'd never even no. realized no. before, I, I don't know. I think I started to feel quite frightened by that. I think yeah. you were saying about work and, communication and understanding how other people feel is a big part of what I do at work, but it's also a big part of life and how we form relationships. Yeah, yeah. So I still feel quite sad about that sometimes as to what impact that's mm. going to have in the future. What but, about you, Dan? Yeah. Did you see, cause obviously you were seeing her, um, quite a lot yeah, throughout yeah. the whole point because yeah. you were childminding and stuff. You watched it go through the slurry bits yeah. gradually to the point where she wasn't really speaking. What did you think was going to happen? And and sort of, I suppose, what do we think is going to happen mm. next? I, um, I think for me, it was just, I kind of, I thought it was just a, a switch. Mm. You know, there was just a moment and uh, you, know, you go through and could have been that illness you had before Christmas, all that yeah. sort of thing. The other thing, I felt slightly weird about the fact that I'd, I, in my head, I'd kind of predicted it, you know, that that mm. something wasn't quite right. And then I thought it would manifest itself. I don't know, I, maybe if it was autism, that it would be a behavioural thing mm. and, and not speech. Because yeah. I thought once the speech was there and planted, mm. yeah. that, that wouldn't go. I just I just presumed that that wouldn't go. But, but you said something the other day, uh, Lou, that... Um, that we're going to start, you're going to start talking to her like she's uh, 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 just developing speech. To, yeah. What do you mean by that? So not. Um, so obviously we have lots of different ways that we communicate with Daisy and I think because we know her so well, we, we tend to understand what she wants anyway. But the, the main thing that we're trying to do at the moment is to help, she uses a bit of Makaton, but she started using picture exchange, um, sort of pecs, which is where you point at a picture um, and get something in return but we've moved on to AAC communication mm. which is where you she's got lots of pictures in a book and it's about trying to structure sentences well, and what is it AAC um, I, I, I don't know what it stands for I think it's an advanced oh we should it's know augmented this, we? advanced communication, communication I think but basically what it is is you know when you see um uh people who um communicate through tablets and yeah, things yeah. like that mm. and they point at a picture and it says i you know the computer voice says i want this or the daisy has a, a book with categories and actions and commands and yeah. she will she will point to i want food or i want tv and whatever but that wasn't really until about a year best part of nine months a year ago that we we started yeah, that. and it's still it's still at a very basic level but what i i think because daisy doesn't talk what i've been thinking recently is that every so often you do get a, something that sounds like mm. a word out mm. of her so even earlier today um she said something that sounded like yes please it was yeah please yeah. and it, it was it was mumbled and muffled but it was in the right context so her what we've always said from day one even when she had the regression was that her receptive language is there she understands mm -hmm. everything um so because i think she's showing signs of 
that children do at earlier development, like when they point to things. I think I'm sort of thinking along the lines of the phonics that they use at school, mm -hmm. where it's the, I don't know, sounding out the letters mm -hmm. yeah. and whether... So I've almost started to think I need... I need to not treat her like a baby because she's not a baby. But I wonder whether using some of those techniques might help mm, her. Mm. And I think you just have to try anything, mm, don't you? Yeah. And it's very easy when when your child's nonverbal to stop talking. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Just because if you don't get anything back, you assume yeah. it's being ignored or not going in. But we know she that we gave everything. Daisy these tools oh, yeah. to communicate and it just... Yeah. Well, it, it was like yesterday, you know, she's got this thing at the moment uh, about uh, coming upstairs and uh, <laughs> lying in every bed yeah. that she can get into. <laughs> the Goldilocks. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and she lies there and she's got her tablet and everything. Uh, and But you said to her yesterday she wanted, she made the sprint to go upstairs mm. and um, you said, you know, no, no upstairs, not upstairs. And she... Had a wee bit of a meltdown. Yeah. Or not, not a melt. It was a tantrum. Just yeah. You know, and she uh, and but she knew exactly. No yeah. one upstairs. Yeah. And so in when you get through this, you you go wow. It's the library of words are there, and she knows what they are. She can't. She can't yeah. get them. Um, can we also talk about? Because I think we've all felt this as well. Is uh, the hardest thing, certainly as a grandparent, is is not actually knowing what's yeah, wrong yeah. when she's grumpy and we, we're getting a few grumpy uh, days at the moment she's yeah. just a bit mm. moody and i remember you saying uh you you think that she's grumpy if she hasn't had a poo yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. she really is yeah but aren't we all yeah <laughs> but that's the worrying thing and i think that's something that i often feel quite stressed and sad about and this is part of the reason we need to use other tools and help her to communicate in other ways because we don't know how she's feeling and I worry that if she's in pain or so with her, I mean, we laugh about the needing of poop, but actually a lot of children with autism, a lot of people with autism yeah. have digestive issues, um, which we, we know she definitely does, which I won't go into detail about. But but I worry that she might have a bellyache mm. and because of her heart history, there are other things that we have to look out for with her. So there's always that fear. Yeah. That when she's feeling unwell, she can't tell us. She can't tell us when she needs to go to the toilet no. even. So, no. so that I find really sad it's, and It's hard quite difficult, sometimes. isn't it? Because you end up, um, uh, we've all done it, and I think partly because she used to speak and we did converse with her, mm. you end up guessing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you end up going, do you want this? And then obviously if you put an idea in any child's mind about wanting something that they weren't necessarily yeah. thinking about if it's good they'll go actually yeah i do want that <laughs> yeah. yeah but but I, I was going to ask both of you actually how important do you think so the two years uh before she was diagnosed and obviously that sort of six month period where she was talking really well and and interacting mm. how important do you think that small period of her being verbal was to your current relationship with her um i think for me i she was very very she, she is funny mm. and she was a real character and she was uh, mimicking lou was you know <laughs> i remember she used to build these bricks up and <laughs> we put this you know a brick where do you think and we got hold the brick up for the lego brick or whatever and she'd, oh, I'm thinking here. Yeah. And that was just Lou. I could just hear Lou going, what are you thinking? What? Well, I'm thinking here. Are you going to be able to get that one up there? Are you tall enough? Oh, well done. Well 
<laughs> it was like yeah. last week when we heard her speaking and, and I'd forgotten. Yeah. I'd forgotten she On was. That clip. Yeah, yeah. The, the clip of how advanced. So um, I know how funny she is, and she's uh, funny in a, not funny in a different way, but um, it's almost like I, I've seen her personality. Mm. I know what it's like, and I know she can be really uh, naughty, uh, <laughs> uh, but funny. It's, a, it's an interesting question. I sort of don't know. I don't know how. I don't know in what way it's changed my. Re- what was the question you said again? I suppose the only the only reason I brought it up is that obviously a lot of parents of autistic children they have a long time where they don't speak mm. and, in, and it's a slow development mm. and then they do, and some do and some don't. But I I personally feel like there's a, a, a connection because of that small period. Mm. As it's almost like I, and you don't want to guess, but it's almost like you can read her mind to some extent, but yeah. it's where the limit is, I think. I, in some ways, though, I feel differently because I almost, because I hadn't watched videos of her, I had almost forgotten, and I wonder if that was a coping mechanism. It was almost yeah. like I'd pushed all of that stuff. Because even that clip, it's a very short clip that we played in the last one, that doesn't even show half of what she was saying. Right. That's a very, mm-hmm. very minimal amount. I mean, we could dig out videos that have got significantly mm. more of her talking in. Are you enjoying your dinner? Rice. <laughs> Rice. <laughs> what else? Raycon. <laughs> yeah, what else? What else have you got? <laughs> Sweet corn, yeah. What else is on your plate? Um, carrot. Carrot, yeah. Carrot. Carrot, yeah, yum yum. What else? Rice. What else? What are the green things? Peas. Yeah. <laughs> Yummy. But I have only just started to realise how much she was saying because I've only just started watching videos and I've actually, I think I've pushed it all out of my head. So in some ways that bit hasn't really, I don't know. It's it, weird because we, we did the opposite. We, yeah, you we? dealt with it in a completely I, different way. When when we were going mm. through the regression and she, you're watching words drop off every day, mm. I watched videos all the time, yeah. yeah. All the time. Whereas and I said your your mum watched quite mum a few was videos. Mum well, said it she? helped her to and to cope did, with did it. Did you watch any videos? No. No. Isn't that funny? I couldn't. Yeah. Is it couldn't. was it was it that similar reason? Yeah. Too sore. Yeah. yeah. It was just that's too sore. I, I just felt. and that's the way I'm. That's the Scottish in me. I just yeah. go, okay, well that's fine. Yeah. Well, that's that. No, I couldn't watch it. And I still yeah. know you because know, you caught me out because yeah. you sent me the final edit of this thing yeah. and I was listening to it and I was lying in bed listening to it. Oh, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, you know, I, I got a cough when you were saying yeah. that. Yeah. So I think the other thing as well about the communication thing is that's the bit that I feel um, frustrated with that I can't. Mm. So when she when she comes to me. Uh, and, and it's great with the book because we've got into that. Right, right, tell us what you want. You know, and she does like I want food, I want a tablet or whatever. But that 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 really is a granddad. I want to go right. Come on, what is it? What can I do yeah. to make this yeah. better? Yeah, you know. I think that's the weird part about the whole mm. communication 
journey and it may be different for other people with autistic children but with daisy we sort of uh, it felt like we were taking the approach of let's throw everything at it yeah and see which one sticks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because we we did we're still doing Makaton. we did pex for it, a bit but... we're mm. we're doing aac now and she sort of does a mixture of all three doesn't she yeah. and i wonder so i i sometimes feel slightly guilty that we're not doing enough mm-hmm. you know i think that's quite yeah and we've talked about that before haven't we i think sometimes you there it's funny we talk about the guilt a lot because there are so many things you feel guilty about as a parent anyway and i think particularly i think as a mum with with having a child with disabilities you constantly look for whether there were things you did yeah, um yeah. and i think i did that with her heart condition and then i somehow reconciled that in my brain and then she had her regression yeah, so yeah. but then there's the other bits that you feel like you're never doing enough are we doing enough therapy are we helping mm. her enough and we're really fortunate because our family has helped support us to pay for play therapy which yeah. is how we've gotten to the point that we're at now because we could not have done it without she wouldn't be where she is now, I don't think, without... No, without Sky. Yeah. But I I think I'm the same as you know. I, I constantly worry that I'm not doing enough to help yeah. her to communicate. Every parent does that. Every parent mm. uh, talks about overreacting to a situation or how should you have done that. But you, you learn on yeah. the job with this. Yeah. And, and I think you can take that out, extrapolate that out and, and think about what we're doing, what we're trying to achieve with Daisy. Uh, what are we trying to achieve? I, I, you know, I'm trying to... Cause, Elephant in the room is, you know, when I'm lying at night, I don't know about you, but I pray for that call in the morning and said, Dad, do you want to talk to somebody? And, and it's yeah. Daisy talking on the phone. Yeah. Oh. You know, that gets me in the middle of the night. Yeah. You, you, it makes me feel yeah. quite emotional, just, yeah. It's, you know, cause that, that, <laughs> I, think, so, I think, and I'll take over because I think you're, <laughs> um, you're feeling that a bit. I think, realistically, we don't know if she's ever going to talk properly again i think the idea is to get her to a point where she can communicate by By whatever means means. Mm -hmm. and if it is speech great yeah if it's a tablet and you know she can change her voice every day she could be (laughs) stephen fry one day and she could be you know arnold schwarzenegger the next (laughs) grandpa grandpa (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, we can get you to voice it yeah yeah um but i think it's really just it's, it's, it's really tough because yeah. you don't know. And actually, I hadn't thought about that. Mm. Is because we've got so used to not yeah. hearing her voice is yeah. about the people who yeah. would like to speak on the phone to them. And, yeah, yeah. You know, your mum would it's, love it, wouldn't she? And I think it's about... Uh, that's the other thing that sort of hits you, isn't it? It's when you see other parents and their children talking or talking to their grandparents telling them they love them and yeah uh, this is a good time i think uh, for us to introduce our guest because we're talking about because uh, we're talking that about uh, our reaction to daisy a great guest uh, is uh, max green uh, now he's uh, he's an actor uh, and uh, all-round brilliant guy but he's also a, an ambassador for the national autistic society as well because he was non-verbal verbal to the age of six and the interview we we did, it's fascinating yeah. hearing from his point of view what, you know, when, uh, you know, uh, it has a meltdown. And it's just great. And I think the more we can find out from that, is what, what is happening mm-hmm. in the autistic child's head when this goes on. So here's, uh, here's the interview we did with Mike Screen. 
so Max, uh, you know, you know a little bit about Daisy. What I what I mentioned to you the other the other day, the fact that she's four years old, she's nonverbal, and um, to the point uh, where she was two, she was actually speaking and and kind of uh, developing. So you know, normally, um, for you, can you just sort of explain kind of your journey as far as you remember it? I suppose when you were younger. I mean, yeah. I mean, my mum obviously found it tricky and obviously my dad did as well when I was growing up um I mean I couldn't speak to I was six so um I had to learn uh Macintom just to be able to communicate um you know but a lot of the time I'd communicate with my mum just going mm, 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 and you know my mum would always know somehow some way um you know what what I needed and what I wanted um, and I think it's other people in my family that found it harder to do that. You know, uh, my nan would often be going, oh, what's he want? You know, I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't get what he's asking. Um, and growing up, you know, my mum says, you know, I was, how to word it? Um, I mean, I, I was very unpredictable as a child. I mean, you know, you could take me into a shop, you know, for instance, if I went into a shop, I would, uh, you know, back then they see obviously things differently to what we see them now, which, you know, we would put that down as a tantrum now. And in reality, I was probably having an autistic meltdown um, because you've got a young, you know, person who's, autistic, uh, you know, undiagnosed at that point as well, who can't communicate, can't actually say to mum, mum, you know, don't take me into the shop, I'm, I'm scared or I, I don't, I feel, don't feel comfortable. And the only way this, this young person, myself could communicate was, was at that time to throw a, a tantrum, which obviously we now realise, you know, with sensory overload and sensory processing probably was a meltdown. Um, and it was just very unpredictable this. You know, you couldn't take me anywhere. Um, you know, my, I used to have like a strap. So because I would just run off, you know, like I had no element of of danger or, or you know, something could happen if I do X, Y and Z, you know, as, as if I could see something and, and it interested me, I would just bolt, you know. My mum always says there was a story of me on a beach and uh, her sister-in-law at the time said, you know, let him let him off, you know, this strap that my mum used to have on my wrist and her wrist, so I obviously couldn't bolt all the time. And um, my sister-in-law, you know, my mum's sister-in-law said, you know, just let him off, you know, it'd be fine. And anyway, she said, about two seconds, bolted straight across the beach, you know, mum and dad and the whole family trying to chase after me. Um, so just really unpredictable um, and obviously my mum thankfully got a um, statement, which is now an educational health and care plan, just before I went to primary. But a lot of the time she went, you know, it was a lot of denial, a lot of people declining that idea. Um, even the teacher turned around to my mum and said one day, no, he's not autistic, he's just naughty. Um, and that was the kind of, you know, that was the kind of idea at the time. Can I just ask you, Max, for, from that, what age was the the diagnosis then? Because you you spoke in Macaton up to the age of six, so your mum was obviously aware that something was different. Um, so when was the diagnosis made? So I believe, and again, you know, I'm always a bit 
wary on on where, when it when it was. But my mum's always said around three or four. I know it was before primary, so um, yeah, because that then meant when I went to school. Uh, when I went to my secondary school, sorry, the government was very involved in what school I went to because of my educational health and care plan. And apparently, if you get that after you go to school, it's not as effective as if you get it before. Oh, really? um, so I know it was definitely before I started uh, reception in my primary school. One of the things that we're going through now, uh, and it's fantastic, it's amazing, Max, we're, we're talking to you, and you're saying things that we're seeing in Daisy. It's just Neil and I were both nodding there. Yep, yep. That's the the tantrums or, or the meltdowns. We get the meltdowns. And we're we're coping with this. I just wondered, what was the frustrations then with you not people not because we're talking about communication really in in this podcast this time. What was the frustration? What was in your head when you were trying to commute not just to your mum but to other people then, Max? Well, when I was at school, you know, I one thing I always wanted to do is just make friends and, and you know, be able to have that, that social relationship that other people were having. And it, and it always frustrated me, um, you know, why can't I be like him or why can't I be like that? You know, why can't I have these these conversations with people? You know, to, to the simple thing, when I was at school, I was like, why can't I play football? So I would just run in the middle of the football pitch and pick the ball up and run with it. And that's how I thought you played football. And, you know, then I'd see all these people getting angry at me and, and frustrated. And, and you know, it was just, like, so, frustrat- so frustrating because you just, like, I just want to join in and you guys probably think I'm just being a nuisance. And I'm not. I just want to be able to play football like everyone else. Um and, and, you know, the thing was as well is because I spoke at a later age, you know, because I believe, you know, a lot of people with autism don't start speaking actually until the age of four to five to six anyway. Um, but that automatically kind of sets you behind everyone else, if that makes sense, because you're always kind of having to play catch up, you know, to other people's um intelligence or other people's development and other people's language so you're always kind of like you know they might say something and you're thinking oh i don't know what that means and that's kind of where you know the the stereotype because some people do and some people don't that's why the kind of stereotype of people with autism don't understand you know sarcasm or how to look people in the eye because essentially we're we're behind at that at that development point you know so it takes us a bit longer to to learn it and some people you know like my mum she would always say to me you know look people in the eye it's rude if you don't it shows that you're not paying attention that made me you know I didn't want to be rude so then that made me look people in the eye and, and have that kind of um have that consciousness to do that and we we also develop a thing called masking as well which you know we we start to act uh, like the people around us. And sometimes, you know, that can be dangerous as well. You know, for instance, you know, you could see someone being really kind and being really generous and, and that's great. You know, like, for instance, you know, say a mate gives another mate a fiver and they go, well, you know, that's, that's, that's nice. That's a normal thing to do. But someone with autism might not see, okay, but you don't give a fiver to everybody. You know, so if you saw a homeless person in the street and they asked for money, somebody with autism might just openly give them a fiver, which, 
not a bad thing, you know, and, and it's kind natured and good natured, but they will they will apply that mask and sometimes they might apply it to everything and that, that can be where it becomes you know, dangerous. We also take direct, um, you know, instructions. There was a story, my teacher told us all in the class to write down one to seven. So everyone's writing down one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> one, two, three, four. And he came to my book and I just looked at one, two, seven. So um, we do a lot of speeches together yeah, now. It makes sense. It does. It makes sense. But Max, I just want to ask you because um, we see it on a on a daily basis with um, with Daisy um, the frustration of not being able to communicate. Um, she there's a lot of biting herself and there's a lot of kind of getting ever so slightly violent with us. Not not too bad at the moment because she's only four. Um, but do you remember what that felt like not to be able to communicate? I remember feeling like, I suppose, stupid, you know, dumb, you know, why, why can't I do kind of do that, you know? And, and the worst thing is, as well as when you do start to speak, sometimes it's a confidence thing as well, because you want to get things right and you, and you want to say the words correctly. And the last thing that you want is, is you to get it wrong and someone to mock you because of that. For instance, I couldn't say the word swimming, I always used to say swimming. I, I didn't have the the S and the W, you know, words like that. Um, worry, I would never be able to say. I used to go worry. I used to use my R's quite a lot. Um, and don't get me wrong, you know, for people to point it out, you know, I had close mates that would actually teach me how to say the words, and that helps, you know, because it's like we're not taking the mitt. We just want you, you know, we, we want you to get it right, you know. Um, but when people will mock you, it can set you back because then it's like, okay, I can talk and I've got the ability to talk, but I'm not actually confident enough to because I'm worried about getting it wrong. Um, and that's another thing, you know, sometimes kids can be, you know, kids are the loveliest people, but they can also be the horriblest, you know, and they and, and they don't mean to, but they just don't know the um, repercussion of their actions, you know, and, and just a little comment like, you know, laughing at someone because they got a word wrong can really set them back. Through your education, Max, because, um, you know, we look at the moment, we're getting fairly good support for Daisy, but, you know, getting into primary, getting into senior education, did the, did the tag autistic, did it open doors or do you feel later in life it became slightly stigmatic in the sense that, you know, people would just go, well, yeah, he's autistic, and it closed doors. What, what about that? I'd say that's such a good question. Um, I feel when I went off to employment, it was more of a closed door thing for me, uh, to the point where I go, you know, because at the moment there's only 16% of people with autism in full-time work, uh, and that hasn't changed for 10 years. And, you know, we I done, obviously, a campaign for the National Autism Society around employment, and I was the kind of, um, you know, I was the actor that played someone in this uh, advert, but also it was very real to me as well because I knew the struggles of going out and getting a, getting a job to the point where when I used to go to interviews, I wouldn't tell them I had autism right to the end because I'd want them to get to know me and then say, but I have got this, you know, it's, doesn't it's not a problem it's not that will be a you know an issue i might just need additional support and 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 that's that's fine um the school 
I think at the time, obviously, the Autism Act wasn't in because, I mean, the Autism Act came in 2009. So, I mean, I was kind of before that anyway. And there was still kind of a lot of people trying to get their head around this thing called autism. And I think people still are. You know, I think if you look at look at like the development I think there's a lot of awareness but but still a lack of understanding people know what autism is or or they think they know but if you was actually to sit down and go okay but could you understand how to support somebody with it and and all of that stuff a lot of people probably be like oh no you know a lot of employees admitted that they probably wouldn't hire someone with autism because they they wouldn't know how to support them let's just talk about the acting because it's it is communication uh, I'm fascinated with, with this, Max, the fact that it's not just learning a script, uh, uh, being ready to perform an action, uh, knowing your cues and everything. Um, how has that been for you? How is things like learning scripts uh, and, and working with other actors? Um, Carrie Grant was saying to her that her daughter's in Hollyoaks and the, the, uh, the people behind the scenes, the crew, were all given autism training. And I just wondered wow. what it's like, you know, as somebody, because I would imagine, did the rest of the cast know that you're autistic? And did they, and I use this word advisedly, make allowances or, or not? What actually was it like getting into that scenario? You know what, Holby, when I was on Holby, that was like my first big part. And um, they were they were just brilliant at Holby City. But I mean, everywhere I've worked has been brilliant with it, you know. And I think it, because... A lot of the roles I do play are focused around uh, people with conditions or, or autism and, and things of that nature. Um, and I think when they meet me originally, they're kind of like, oh, you know, because people automatically have a vision of what autism is going to look like. And, and we know, you know, there's not just one autism. You know, it affects people differently. And when you've met one person with autism, you've met one person which I also underlies the key to understanding it, is the key to understanding autism is not to understand autism, but it's to understand how it affects that individual. Um, and that's always been my answer. Um, but when I went to Holby, you know, they're like, oh, wow, you know, it's not what we expected. And then I get into this character and then they're like, oh, wow, that's probably what we more expected. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's eye-opening for them. Um, but... Everywhere I've been, you know, they've always been kind. They've always been, you know, don't worry, it's fine, you know, all of that stuff. They've always been supportive um, of, of me. And I think, you know, if, I think depending where you work as well, you know, because I'm sure there are places out there that aren't, you know, brilliant. But, I mean, fortunately for me, everywhere I've been, you know, they've always been nice. I've met, you know, when I went on Holby, the, the main actor I'd be working with, BBC basically organised for me to meet him a week before and we had the lunch in like the BBC uh, cafeteria. You know, when I went up to, to Doctors, um, I met Ian who played Josh on Casualty for years and he was playing my dad and I met him the, the morning, we, we had a drink and that I think they even gave me, you know, the number obviously of him approving that. Um, and a lot of people I, I stay in touch with, you know, because... They just made that journey kind of nice for me. Um, it's always good when you see people as well. Because when I was on Doctors, I went on there twice and I got to see Adrian um, again. And, you know, I, I was in main parts with him. And, you know, the second time he was literally like, oh, look, here's my number, you know, I'm bound to be acting with you again. 
you know so it, it's you feel you it's lovely you know you build these relationships but i suppose in regards to doing it i always say you know i always say i've acted my whole life to such a degree <laughs> you know uh, I've had to learn these techniques and I've had to apply them in situations. Um, so for me now, it, it, it's more natural, you know, for me just to just to do it. Just to give you a, a scenario of even how I really got into acting, I've done a few plays in Newbury um, and, um, you know, they were like one lines, but i still done them because I, I loved it. And I, it was, you know, I was watching EastEnders one day and I basically said, I want to be an actor. And I said, well, get off your bum and do it then. So off I went to these small little productions in Newbury's and, and they were good. And the makeup artist said um, to me on one of the plays that I'm doing the makeup for Glue on E4 and they're looking mm. for extras. So I said, oh, you know, that, that'd be amazing, you know, if, if they're looking for it. She said, she said, yeah, you know, you should come up. Anyway, this day was probably like, I'll be honest, probably one of the worst days of my life, but obviously the best, <laughs> just because there's a lot of story to this. But it basically transpired that I was stood next to this guy for all day, having a really good conversation, because I've always got on with people that are probably, you know, older than myself. And you've got all these youngsters around me and, you know, they're, they're doing their own thing. I'm speaking to this, this guy who's a lot, you know, he's older than me. And um, you just have a really good conversation with him. And out of the blue, the director says, OK, bring on the naked guy. And this guy, I've not even paid attention to what he's wearing. <laughs> and he's just, and I'm just like, oh, my, you know, what have I got myself into? <laughs> But the reason I bring up this story is this was the this was the moment I got into into acting. There was a rope separating the extras and the and the main cast of the show. And me being me, I went over the rope and I pretended to be an actor that was joining next week for the show, just so I could get all the information that I needed to get, you know, who your agent is, you know, how did you you know, how you you know, because all of this information I needed and, and just didn't know how to access it. So, you know, I was speaking to people from the main cast, just going, you know, who's your agent? How did you get the <laughs> all of this stuff? And and you know, that that's how it got me into it. Max, when 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 you're um when you're playing a character, um uh, whether they've got autism or not, um do you find, I mean, you do a lot of work through the National Autistic Society and making sure that you're an ambassador and you're out there showing, like you said, that not all people with autism look a certain way or sound a certain way or whatever. How important do you think it is when uh, we're portraying autistic people on screen, on film or wherever, how important do you think it is that A, an autistic person or someone who has knowledge of autism has an input into the way that character's played or be that it's played by someone with autism? So this really good question. It's really controversial as well because a few years ago, Brian Cranston played a actor. He played a character, sorry, in The Upside. And um, a lot of people had this conversation, you know, that could have went to somebody with with that, with that condition. Um, and my answer to that is, you know, acting... I think, you know, the whole point of acting is so you can play characters that aren't you, you know, that that you don't have that experience, you know, so you research and, and you look at how how is best to to portray that character. 
the biggest issue I've got with that is I think it should be the other way around before we start giving the parts, uh, you know, to the, the... It should be the other way around before we start giving the disabled parts or, or the or the people parts with conditions, all that, to actors without a condition. Because at the moment, unfortunately, the disabled parts are only going to the disabled people and the main parts aren't going to the disabled people who, who could play them as well. But for the other way around, you see a lot of people who haven't got a disability getting disability roles, they're getting you know, normal roles, they're getting loads of the roles. So I think it needs to be you know, reversed before um, you know, we start giving, giving um, the, the actors that have got nothing, you know, just normal, the only roles that those people's at the moment are are viewed to play, um, but the input of having somebody who with that condition, with that with with that uh, disability, is crucial. You know, I always think you know you can learn from other people's experiences, but it's only till you sit down and have a conversation with them you can learn from it. You know, so I think when you're doing a role, it's really important to research. It's really important to to put yourself in in that person's shoes, but also to speak to somebody who's who's got it, you know. But also, don't be afraid to put your own spin on it. You know, as I say, everyone with autism is going to be different. So, um, you know, you should never feel like you 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 know you have to play everything to the T. You know, I know when I was on Holby, they said a simple thing like. Um, yeah, so my character was making these tinfoil dinosaurs, which again, somebody with autism might do because it's it's you know a way of calming them. It's it's a texture that they might be um, familiar with that they might feel relaxed with. Um, but the point that I was like, actually, no, I don't think this would happen. Was he said, just put all the dinosaurs in the bag, and um, you know, I said. To to the director, I said, can I put them in one by one? And he went, what do you mean? I go, well, this person with autism has took a long time to, to design these dinosaurs, you know, and, and he's going to want to keep them intact, you know, for, for the way home. He wouldn't just put them in his bag, nearly willy, like, no, that's it, you know, I'm done. So they were like, oh, okay. So there I was, one by one. And it's just so subtle. Mike, um, I can't tell you how uh, wonderful this is to speak to you um, because uh, not only is it the nod factor, you're saying things you did as a child that we're seeing. Um, it's inspirational the way you're talking about communication and, and what we do. I just wanted to ask, I, I'm obviously, obviously grandpa, uh, but Neil and, and, and Lou and all these things, what advice with Daisy, who's uh, who was speaking and then is not speaking at the moment, what advice do you think you would give to parents and grandparents and families with a child uh, with autism at this age? I think a lot of parents and, and grandparents really are too hard on themselves. You know, they, they constantly think, what can I do and, and what am I doing wrong and, and all of these things. And I always just say, you know, don't, don't, yourself up you know um you know you can only do the best that you can do and as long as they know that actually you love them and you're going to support them no matter what and it's okay to get a word wrong or it's okay to get this wrong or it's okay nobody's perfect you know and i think as a 
as a kid knowing that, you know, and, and even pointing out, you know, that kid on the playground that you think's perfect probably isn't. You know, he's probably got things going on and they've probably got things going on, but in different ways. And just saying, you know, you have got this, but you're not, you're not, not normal. You know, you're not different. You're not weird. You're none of these things. Nobody is normal. And that is the normal. You know, know, nobody's sane. Nobody is any of those things. Um, So, you know, I think parents and grandparents and family don't beat yourselves up. And again, the key to understanding uh, the condition really is just understanding how it affects them. And I think you just kind of got to, you know, for me, it was, you know, my mum and dad, you, you know, they knew I had a condition, but one, they never used it as, you know, an excuse for me to do anything that I wanted to do. They always said, you know, some things had to be explained more to me. You know, when I've done things wrong, it had to be explained more. So and very much flipped the narrative. You know, it was very much, you know, how would you feel if you was putting that, you know, how would you feel if it was this? You know, I, I stole someone's bike once when I was at primary and, you know, I couldn't really understand how this other person would feel. So my mum kind of used the tactic of, okay, if it was your bike and someone went on your, you know, how would you feel? So, I'd say don't be afraid to use methods that you think are going to work. You know, don't beat yourself up if they don't. And, you know, my mum has always said, and I think this is probably the, the, the best thing as well, and, and she, said, she uh, said to me one day, normally your children uh, grow up with you, but she said I've had to grow up with my children um, because that was the only way that she, she mm. could really learn and... and, and see me grow up really was to to kind of grow up with me uh mike's uh i wish we could give you a standing round of applause because uh, uh you know i'm sure you're going to get many more of those amazing thank you so much for your time and um we really appreciate it no anytime as well anytime Um, so I think one of the things that Max said that really struck a chord with me was about, he, it was a confidence issue with him, wasn't it, about not um, wanting to say the wrong thing and that affected him interacting with other people and other children. And I think that's one of my biggest fears for Daisy is that one of the things I've found out with autism is that some some children make noises and they think they're talking and actually the sounds aren't coming out as words. There are some children who make noises who don't, they're not talking or it's when you start to read people's experiences. So with Daisy, we don't know whether she thinks she's talking. She might actually be saying things in her mind and mm. it's just not coming out right. But I, I just worry about what impact it will have on her forming friends at school, like relationships with other people and so I think it's it's just really it's actually really heartwarming to hear Max's story because mm. of how far he's come, and I think for me as a mum that I, that helps me so much more than anything. Oh, it's just so. As we both said after the first episode, uh, uh, it's kind of cathartic, but also we're we're going to be talking to people who can give us more insight, the more knowledge we can yeah. get. Yeah. It's going to be a fantastic. Well, look, we're kind of running out of time. I think it's important we do. Uh, one thing that Daisy did this week that made us happy, made us smile. Uh, who's going to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Um, so this week actually happened just yesterday. 
um, we sat down and read two whole books mm-hmm. together. Fantastic. She, you know, Daisy's not. Uh, she no. she flicks through the pages really really quickly. It's like she's memorised Lo- them. Yeah. Loses yeah. interest really really quickly. So we haven't sat down and read a full book together for a long time. It's lovely. Which is amazing because that's something she used to love doing. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've got. I've actually got two things. One, I think I mentioned earlier, was um, that I we were sat in bed this morning, and I started singing a song. And she does this thing where she puts her hand over your mouth if she doesn't <laughs> like it. I think it might just yeah. be my voice. But I then started singing another song from Peppa Pig, which she loves. And she said, "I said, do you want more?" And she did her Macaton Moore sign, yeah. but she said, "Yes, please," which is yeah. it was her yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was amazing. And then I have just got to mention, we've just had our garden done and just seeing her running across the deck oh, with yeah. grandma and grandpa the other day yeah. was just yeah. brilliant because she just she was just so excited, excited. to go out and, like yeah, with grandma. Yeah. Yeah. And the eye contact was brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. The one for me, I could go back to the fact that she likes to go up and lie in bed and read. Um, I thought, or because you've given me this app that tells me when she needs to go to the toilet. Or yeah, yeah. So the app went off. So right, okay, Daisy. And she was brilliant. She went there and, uh, and I put her in the toilet and she had a terrific... Terrific wee. Yeah. Was, I was over the moon. I went, good, I've caught you. I've done it. Yeah, dry, everything great. I said, you're going to get a treat for this. And then she knew what I meant. So uh, I thought she was just going to, I, let's go down and get the treat. But no, she took me, she pushed me. Uh, did that, uh, you know, the noise she makes again. Yeah. Took me to the top of the stairs. And I said, well, come with me. And we're going, no. But she actually, no, no. And then she took me down the stairs, right, at the bottom, she pushed me into the living room <laughs> and she went back up the stairs. <laughs> so, so get I was, my treat, Grandpa. Get the treat. And so, like, you know, I come up with a tray to the Queen. Go, yeah. mm, <laughs> you're the servant boy. Yeah, thank you, madam, for for doing away <laughs> magnificently. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and she just kind of acknowledged me with her, yes, whatever. Um, but, uh, so, I think it's just, just before we wrap up as well, I think it's important to just remember that thing that Max said in... Oh, in the yeah. interview is mm. parents don't be so hard on yourself yeah, yeah. great stuff thanks for listening and um, we'll see you next time bye